Okay, welcome to the first episode of Thought Closet. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm terrified right now. I just had an inward debate with myself for about half an hour trying to get the courage to actually sit down and do this. But I said I was going to do it, so here we go. So this first episode is going to be about Egyptian dreams in ancient Egypt. And when I sat down to write this um, last week, I realized that there was so much to know and hardly any time to sit and actually read and digest enough information to get the whole story. So this is just a little bit of a, a smaller summary from what I could find, and um, yeah, so here we go. I'm going to just first start off with a smidge of history, not too much, just kind of the, uh, the rough time period. So the first dynasty of Egypt was roughly around 3000 BC, and if you're anything like me, you have absolutely <laughs> no fathom of that how far away that was, because I can hardly think in the last five minutes, let alone the last uh, 3,000 years. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so um, 3,000 years, 3,000 BC, sorry, and the conquest of Alexander the Great, who was from the, I believe, Macedonia uh, in 332 BC. So the ancient Egyptians were roughly around 3,000 years um, and they obviously had their periods of great prosperity and their dark ages as well. And before we get into kind of their belief about dreams and what dreams meant to them as a society, I thought it would be important to kind of go over a little bit of their belief system so that we could uh, get the, the gist of how dreams fit into their culture. If you know anything about Egyptian history, you'll know that gods and goddesses were a huge part of their religion, and they believed that gods and goddesses created the world and kept the natural order between light and dark and harmony and chaos. And there were hundreds of different gods and goddesses that represented different areas of life, such as the sun, the moon, the stars, earth, and a lot of um, emotional and philosophical areas of life, such as love, health, war, motherhood, fertility, life, death, rebirth, knowledge, wisdom, etc., etc. Pretty much anything you can think of they had a god or goddess that represented that area of life for them. They believed that the soul was eternal and that the human experience was one step towards the greater afterlife and the spirit realm. During one's life, they were expected to uphold the principles of Mayat, which was the goddess of truth, 
justice, harmony, and balance. And understanding that one's actions in life affected not only their own, but also the lives of others, the life of Egypt, and how the universe operated as a whole. So they not only thought of themselves as individuals, but also as, as a one group, one entity. So they had to, um, people were expected to, to depend on each other, to keep the balance. This was the will of the gods to produce the greatest amount of pleasure and happiness for the human experience before going on to the afterlife. Magic was heavily used and interwoven with herbal medicine in their culture, and you wouldn't really have one without the other. They were developed together. And not only practitioners used magic, but it was used daily by the common folk of Egypt and alongside prayers to the gods and goddesses, they would use spells in the form of sculpting, um, so little wax figures, they would write symbols on items or clothing, or even a few spoken words to bless crops, ensure the safety of a mother in childbirth, or even to curse their neighbor who had wronged them in any way. Um, there was no kind of differentiation between black magic, as you would hear in kind of Western culture. It was just magic as a whole. And then it was up to the individual to decide how to use that. But they understood that the, the um, uh, what do you call it? If you, if you use it in such a way that would go against the harmony and balance of life, then that was up to you and you would be judged accordingly once you had gone on to the, to the afterlife so it was really up to you whether or not you felt like using um, the more chaotic side of magic was worth was worth it really and along with magic of course there's divination which is one of the their magical practices um, and just to give a little definition, definition, <laughs> definition of what divination was from googledictionary.com, the practice of seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means. And there was, so basically they used different forms of ritualistic, um, spells in order to look into the future. They weren't so worried about the past, per se. It was more about what was going to happen in the next couple of hours or the next couple of days or, you know, proceeding into the afterlife. So they weren't really worried too much about the past. It was more about the future that they were focused on. Um, and one of the types of divination that they used was, I'm going to try and pronounce this, honoromancy, honoromancy, I believe that's how you say it. And that was the interpretation of dreams. So they, they, you can tell right away how much they cared about dreams just right off the bat because they actually had their own, they had their own word for it. And that word is actually still used today 
it's called honoromology, which is just uh, the study of dreams rather than the study of dreams interpreted using divination um, specifically. So dream interpretation was obviously a huge part of Egyptian life. And the unconscious realm of dreams was something that they could not control. So they believed that it was um, a message of some kind. So it was it was a, a realm. It was its own world, basically. And they viewed it as a gateway into the realm of the gods and the underworld, or could even be tampered with by external forces outside of Egypt or outside of the control of the people of Egypt. So if there was great sorcerers from other lands, um, they believed that they could possibly have the magic and the skill set um, to, to penetrate your dreams and to possibly cause you harm. Dreams were a predictor of the future of a specific individual or a future event that would occur to those around them or to Egypt as a whole. Um, so like I said earlier, it, it was kind of a, an enveloping idea of Egypt as a culture was together as a whole and no matter who did what, it was um, a reflection of the, the entire group. So that was very important to them and, and that followed on into the, the dream, uh, dream realm as well. So gods could enter a dream and give divine instruction. And this was how many structures, such as temples and statues of the gods, were built, as well as an indicator on when and where the best time was to go to war with another area of Egypt or another country outside of Egypt, um, or where a family member was to be buried, because the the burial of of people in general was a was a huge ritual just in itself, and that's why you see the Great Pyramids, and I, I always wondered why, um, you know, I knew that Egyptians had these elaborate temples, but I didn't really understand why they had them. And part of the reason why they had them was because of how important it was to take things with you to the afterlife and to have a rich, fulfilling afterlife was, you know, pretty much how much wealth you had in this life. Um, and that, did, that wasn't just material objects either, like, um, you know, if you brought food with you or, or grain or beer, that was like, you know, that was a big deal as well. You obviously wanted to be fed and have lots of alcohol when you went into the afterlife. Uh, nightmares were greatly feared by the Egyptians. Um, if, you, if you kind of go into that mindset where you realize that I have no control over these dreams and I really believe that the dead or the gods or other people can interfere with my dreams, I, my nightmares would be so much more terrifying and I would probably be stressed out 99% of the time because I have a lot of really vivid nightmares and I, I, would, be, I would be a very scared Egyptian, I think, if I was, <laughs> if I was living back when they were living. And the, the so the how how did they kind of how did they feel comfortable even having dreams was what I would like to know. And the way that they did that was one of the ways was that they carried amulets of protection with them and had priests who 
who were versed in very specific protective spells um, would would write protective inscriptions on small pieces of papyrus that were rolled up and kept around their neck in small tubular containers with a special inscription on that container to to give that person as much protection as they could from whatever spells or um, evil magic or chaotic magic that would enter into their dreams and want to cause them harm. So here's a, an example I found of a protective spell. It's from Nightmares in Ancient Egypt by Cassia Spakoski. And you can find it online. I'll probably leave a link for it below so that if you want to go and read it yourself, it's really interesting and I would recommend it. So here, here's one of the spells that you might find on one of the papyrus writings. So we will make all dreams which she has seen good ones. We will make all dreams which she will see good ones. We will make all dreams which any man, any woman, any people of any kind in the entire land saw for her good ones. We will make all dreams which any man, any woman, any people of any kind in the entire land will see for her good ones. We will say good things about them. And it's, <laughs> this is such an interesting little verse because you can see the emphasis given to the wording of the spells in themselves. So the importance of including all the avenues of the past, present, and future dreams. So it covers the dreams that she's had, the dreams that she will have, and the dreams that she's having right at this moment. Um, and it, it gives them protection from anyone, any man, any woman, any people of any kind in the entire land who might have seen her in a dream. It gives them, gives that person protection. So they definitely cover all their bases when it comes to protection and security. It's very, very important to them. One of these texts, um, there's only been a couple texts that have been uncovered from ancient Egypt specifically about dreams. Um, of course, dreams are mentioned in the Book of the Dead, which is probably one of the most famous ones that you've heard of. But there were also dream books, specific dream books that um, the priests at the temples would keep and they would keep a log of people who came in and they're like, oh, this is the dream I had. So they would write that dream down and then um, that would be cataloged for them. So if someone else came in and they had this dream, they would know kind of the area of expertise that they were they were thinking of. And the way that they interpreted the dreams was someone would come to them, they would say, I had this dream last night, what does it mean? That priest would think about that dream and then he'd go have a nap in a temple underneath one of the, or in a temple for a god or goddess that that particular lifestyle had to do with at the time. So for example, if I had a dream about a crocodile, I would go to a priest and say, oh, the dream, I had a dream about a crocodile. And then that priest would go to whatever god or goddess had power over a crocodile per se, and then he'd have a nap 
and ask the gods to interpret that person's dream. And then he'd come back and be like, well, the gods told me this. And then that was kind of <laughs> what the dream interpretation meant. And um, they, did, they did change throughout the years too. Um, obviously 3,000 years is a long time. So it kind of changed depending on if they were really prosperous, things were a lot more positive and they meant a lot more um, excitement and, and happiness for that, for that person. But when it was times of famine or um, things weren't really going too well, the, the crops weren't growing, the Nile was really low, there was not a lot of water or anything like that, um, dreams had a lot more of an ominous meaning. Um, obviously. So, and, so one of these books was the Egyptian dream book under Ramses II. Um, it was found to be dated around Ramses II. Um, so that was around 2000 BC during his reign. And this, this time of reign was kind of on the up and up. Um, but obviously it had been written in for, for hundreds of years before that. So this, this book includes a detailed list of dreams and images uh, in their interpretations. Um, and unfortunately, the beginning and the end of the document uh, were not uncovered, but a big portion of the middle was saved and translated from Heratic, which is the type of hieroglyphs, a type of... Kind of like a slang, almost a slang of hieroglyphs uh, to English, and over a hundred dreams were uncovered in this text, with a description of whether or not it was a good dream or a bad dream, um, followed by a list of protective spells to ward off the effects of that particular nightmare. And I'll just read a couple, <laughs> a couple of these dream interpretations for you because I thought they were quite interesting. If a man sees himself dead in a dream, this is good. A long life is ahead of that man. If a man sees himself in a dream drinking warm beer, that's bad. Suffering. <laughs> I kind of agree with that one because I, I can't imagine anybody wanting to drink warm beer particularly. And since beer was, was one of their great... Um, <laughs> human experiences, it seems. Everybody really loved beer back then. Um, I could imagine having a, a warm beer on a really hot day must have been really nasty. If a man feeds a crocodile, this is good. A rich man will give him possessions. If a man dreams of a deep well, this is bad, and he'll be going to prison. So overall, it was extremely normal to have many dreams throughout your life time as an Egyptian. Um, I can only imagine the stress <laughs> that they must have felt when waking up from a nightmare and I definitely uh, I definitely would be rushing over to a temple for a magic spell or two I think. I'd pr pr probably be going over there every other day. So um, if you know more about Egyptian dreams and dream interpretation I'd love to hear from you. Or if you have a dream, if you have dreams about Egypt or other Egyptian symbols in your dreams, I'd love to hear what they are and um, discuss them with you. I think that would be really cool to, to try and connect with them, with people. 
And if you would like to email me, I actually have put together an email, which is very exciting. It's thoughtcloset at gmail.com, but the closet, the E, has it's a three instead of an E. Um, it's kind of hard to be original these days. They, uh, all the good names are taken. I had a lot of fun um, researching this topic, and I hope you had fun listening. I'll include a few links in the description for you of some books I found that uh, Egyptian dreams, sorry, I found, uh, <laughs> I'll include some links in the description for you of some books that I found that have to do with Egyptian dreams that if you're interested, you might want to check out. Uh, I know I have a couple of those books saved on my book it, book it, oh, <laughs> book bucket list, but I'm a terrible reader, so I don't know if I'll ever get around to actually reading them. Maybe if someone puts them on audiobook, I might, uh, I might check them out sometime. So thank you for listening to this first effort episode. I hope it wasn't too difficult to listen to. <laughs> I... I love dream topics and I really enjoy listening to podcasts myself and um, like I said at the beginning, I was really scared of, of putting this out there and I, I feel really proud of myself for even just recording this episode. I know a lot of people struggle with anxiety and other things, um, especially this time during COVID. It's not easy for everybody, obviously. So I hope that this is, um, you know, interesting to you. And if you are interested or want to hear more about a dream topic, please email me a, a really interesting dream topic that you'd like to hear more about because I really enjoyed doing this, this stuff. And I, I hope that if you enjoy it and you want to hear more, you'll let me know. Um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much all I've got to say for now. So, um. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a great day. Bye.